and welcome to Now Fear This with Becky and Marie, a podcast where we talk about all the things that scare the shit out of us and a few things that don't while drinking wine or a martini. Yes. I'm Becky and I'm looking at Marie across the Zoom. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm enjoying my zero calorie martini. <laughs> I don't think it's zero cal. I thought it was zero carb. But then again, you fact Isn't checked me last thing? week, so I don't know what we came up with. That's the same thing, right? Zero cal, <laughs> zero carb. Mm. No. I don't know. Well, I don't care. Who cares? It's all bad for you. And so I don't want to hear it. I know. Actually, I think this is good for you. I I read somewhere that vodka is also good for you. Well, if you read it somewhere. It increases blood flow. That's what I've heard. Good. Good to know. What about Chardonnay? (laughs) It all increases blood flow. It's all good for you. Yay. If it's on the internet, it must be true. I read it on this uh, really great site called uh, 8chan. Oh, you know what? They have a lot to say about that ship that's caught in the canal. Apparently, there's a lot of children that are trapped on there by Hillary Clinton, mm. and um, they're molesting them and doing whatever it is they do with their blood right now. So if it's on 8chan, it must be truer than other places, right? Yeah, I think so. Marie, what are you fearing today? Well, I'm fearing a lot of things, but being in my closet right now, my greatest fear is moths. Oh, you've seen the evidence or you've seen the actual moth? We came back from Texas and I'm just evaluating the clothes situation. Like, okay, what are we going to be able to fit into? What can't we fit into? You know, that kind of thing. I'm here. Going through the clothes and James has this linen Calvin Klein suit that I like a lot. And so I'm like, I'm going to pack this on the trip. And when I pulled it out, it had holes in it. And I was like, what the hell? And I start looking around and a bunch of his dress pants have holes in them. And, oh, no. and then all of a sudden I just saw a moth. I've never had moths in my life ever. Like, I don't remember them in my household as a kid. I don't know what causes moths, but being dirty is not one of them because we were dirty. So I'm just like, what in the world? How do I have moths? So I'm just starting to go through the clothes one by one and like, they went for everything nice. So James's tuxedo, moths. Oh no. They really went for his suits and his pants. And I'm like, is this is a sign that we should never leave our house? This is why we can't have nice things. Yeah, exactly. Oh no. And I was like, now I have to like go online and I was researching moth traps for hours. Cause you know, I have to have the best moth trap. <laughs> And I'm just doing all this stuff. I'm like, this is a fear I didn't even know I needed to have. But now I'm mortified of moths. Have you ever had them? No. I mean, but I generally, since I, I think my grandma maybe did when I was a kid. So I tend to always have cedar balls, you know, that you can get at container store and stuff. I think I just tend to have those around. I keep them in my drawers and stuff and they're kind of scattered around and that's supposed to prevent them. And maybe that's. You were taught properly. You weren't raised by moths. So- the good news is you get to buy new clothes. The bad news is you have to buy new clothes. <laughs> well, I just feel like ever since we bought this condo, I'm just like tearing <laughs> this place down. Between you and Walter. <laughs> Me and Walter. Yeah. He's destroyed all our forever furniture. <laughs> by the way, listeners, if you want to see scary Walter, who is the cutest thing ever, but is just a terror in Marie's life. You can go to our website, fearthispodcast.com. And if you subscribe, you'll get a password to super secret stuff. And one of them is a picture of Walter wanting to murder you. By the way, since he spent almost uh, two weeks with Erlenda, he's become more aggressive. More? Yeah. And I was trying to figure out what it was. So like my sister is like very regimented about the schedule with them. So she feeds them at very specific times. And we're more like, we're going to feed you when we're ready to feed you. That's more James's area. Because sometimes I'll be like, just feed him. And he's like, no, the humans are going to eat first. And then (laughs) he's very specific about it. So anyway, Erlinda would feed them at like 530 in the morning or something like that. So come 530 in the morning, Walter stands on my chest and starts slapping me in the face. Sorry to laugh. (laughs) Sorry, like really hard. I want video of that so fucking bad. (laughs) And then... Will you set an alarm for like 525 and then turn on your video and pretend to be asleep for when he comes in? I should just show you all the terrible things he does in the morning. I'll just set up a camera. I mean, Lord. Yeah, I was laying. I was just being lazy, taking a nap because I'd worked till, I don't know, two in the morning on Friday or something. And 
I'm laying on my stomach and Walter comes over and like gets on my back and he's like very aggressively kneading me and like nuzzling my face and sticking his muzzle in my ear. And then I move, <laughs> I have one hand up like this and I start to move it and he takes his paw and slaps it down on my hand to stop me from moving it. I'm like, am I being assaulted right now by my cat? <laughs> he was already rapey with James. So now yeah. it's your turn. And the thing is, my sister is four foot eight. So when he stretches out, he's like over half her size. Mm -hmm. So I think he just like dominates her. I think she's on the floor and he's like eating dinner at the table. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And she was telling me stuff he does. And it sounds like she doesn't like it. And I'm like, well, then just stop him. We don't let him do that. And she's like, oh, no, it's okay. I'm like, if you don't like him doing that to you, like, well, sometimes you're training him how to be brattier. Yeah. He's like, sometimes when he's laying on me, I feel like I can't breathe. I'm like, then move him off. <laughs> Goodness. Like, I don't how much does he weigh? 15 pounds. Oh, okay. Because I was thinking, I was picturing more like 20, but. No, but our vet did tell us that we needed to start controlling his food consumption more, that he is borderline getting too, too heavy. Well, who isn't? <laughs> and the vet also told me I should watch my weight too. That <laughs> was like, while yeah. we're at it. Yeah, while we're, while we're at it, why don't you sit on the scale too? Like, can you check my temperature? She put a temperature monitor on my butt, you know, checked my Very teeth. <laughs> yes, yeah, super awkward. Check your teeth. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. But anyway, uh -oh. yeah, so we'll see the moth saga. We We did some like crazy pulling everything out of the closet got moth traps i got every single hangers got like cedar rings it's like pretty intense like when you come in my closet it smells like cedar oh now everything you wear is gonna smell like cedar yeah when you see me again you're gonna you're gonna smell me from a few <laughs> feet away oh here comes no, I, I will find you by the moths that are fleeing from your exactly pig pen type cloud of cedar yeah so really the the moths should be afraid now because i'm like the moth terminator so well good luck to you on that yeah it's just Aww. one thing after another but anyway all right moving on all right what are you fearing today my dear becky today based mm -hmm. on a recommendation of a friend of mine or a suggestion from a friend of mine i am fearing slender man and urban legends like that things that play with our realities or shift mm -hmm. our realities slender man. the consequences that can occur from such urban legends and internet myths so how familiar are you with with slender man did you ever watch that documentary or how much do you know about the story about the slender man so i i guess it was probably a, a new york times article a while back because some kids were really buying into the slender man thing and doing some crazy stuff i read a little bit about it but beyond that i haven't gone too far and then i was reminded of slender man again when i watched sinister for the first time i don't know if you've seen that movie i have i've seen all of those but i can't remember which one sinister is which one's sinister uh that's the one where the kids are killing their parents so so ethan Hawke. i saw that the, one yeah that one was chilling i thought oh, that was really creepy a yes. really really scary movie but it, yes. for some reason it reminded me of slender man and hmm. this can be the basis for a lot of horror films that there is an unseen force that's only seen by children that mm -hmm. i think it's yeah. interesting and, and creepy yeah and that's one of the things it plays off of but did you okay what about the video i sent you i did not watch it do you want to watch it right now yeah, that scene. Hold on, let me... While you're pulling that up, I'm going to tell you and the audience that this is going to be self-disclosure, but it's not inappropriate. I don't tend to watch shows longer than a few years. It's just me. I just I just lose interest. I don't care if I love the show. It's pretty rare I go out longer than three or four years. Supernatural, I watched all the way up to the last season, and that was 15 fucking years. And I watched it from the beginning, which I never do because shows always get canceled when I like them after the pilot. So Supernatural is a show that when it first came on, I described, I would describe it as like an X-Files type thing. 
but where they don't just investigate creepy and unusual phenomenon in all these different you know cities and, and states but they cure whatever the issue is and then they they solve the problem for the people of that town or the person in the haunted house or whatever so my favorite episodes are the ones where they would go into a situation and figure out who was being haunted or whether or not there was like a demon and they would figure out how to solve this then they called it they, they were hunters they were demon hunters they were supernatural hunters and i'm a, of course like almost everyone who watches that show in love with the lead actors particularly jensen ackles and you either are a dean girl or you're a sam girl and i was a dean girl and that's jensen ackles and he happens actually to be from texas um he's not in this scene you're gonna watch but i'm in love with him He's just one of many I'm in love with. And don't worry, my husband already knows that. So what this show is, is an episode we're going to talk about, but describe what you're seeing. This is a cold okay. open of an episode from season nine. Here we go. I'm watching right now. Now there's a window. Little girl, she's a teenage girl. She's taking pics of herself. She kind of looks like Anna Kendrick. Yeah, she's really cute. I love Anna Kendrick. She's like a sack of kittens. Okay, she's... Hi. This girl is wondering if her mom is home. She's looking down the stairway. She heard a noise. Yeah, she heard a noise. Now she's she's like, eh, I'll get back to doing selfies now. Clearly, she's taking selfies for a boy because she's like doing like kisses and like hip thrusts and ooh. And there's like a creepy guy with a fucked up face behind her in the pictures. And now he's there and the lights went out. Turn you can around. stop there. <laughs> oh, you want to watch the rest of the scene? You're okay. So you want me to describe the whole episode the for you? <laughs> no, just that scene. So the girl is taking selfies in her bedroom and then she doesn't see the guy behind her, but then she sees him in her phone when she looks at her selfie, right? So she looks back at the picture and there he is. Isn't that awesome. super fucking creepy? That's it is. Cool. That show is so good like that. It's so scary. I just couldn't get past the fact though that she was taking selfies with clothes on. Cause does anybody do that these days? <laughs> That was weird, yes. right? Thank you, Supernatural, for not engaging in imitation child porn. She Great. was actually wearing something that I might have worn to church in the 90s. So that was a little... No, it's super unrealistic, right? That's the part that's unrealistic. Yeah, so it threw me out of it. I mean, the creepy-faced guy, I, I could see that happening, but... <laughs> that, I mean, sure. Okay, so that episode was called Hashtag Thin Man, and that was based on the Slender Man urban legend. And if you haven't seen supernatural or you want to go and rewatch that scene i put the link on our website where all of our sources are as well here this podcast.com and my sources are i've got tons of them but most of the stuff came from washington post cosmo the sun uk reuters and abcgo.com and the the article from caitlin dewey in the washington post in 2014 describes him really well and so this is how, how she says in answer to the question of what is slender man he lurks in the background of gritty black and white photos, a gaunt, too tall figure with skeletal limbs. Some say he lives in the woods and eats children, a kind of demon descended from Eastern European myth. Some say he stalks human prey indiscriminately wherever he can find it, in basements, outside half-open windows, along lonely streets late at night when only occasional headlights cut across the road. Some say he has no face. Others say that his face looks different to everyone who sees it. So that's who he is, right? And it's kind of fuzzy as to what his background is or exactly what he is, which actually one of the things that creates urban myths is there's always a, well, I heard he's a European, you know, goblin or he's a ghoul from there. So we're already kind of fuzzy. But the actual history of where he came from is uh, traced directly to June 8th of 2009. And this is how the, the author, Caitlin Dewey, describes there is a forum thread on a quote-unquote humor site for people who enjoy joking about things like Dungeons and Dragons, porn, and 3D printers <laughs> called Something Awful. And I was like, that sounds good. Where do I sign up? Um, the site invited users to create some paranormal images through Photoshop in order to be as creepy as possible. And so mm -hmm. the guy who created it, his real name is Victor Serge. He posted two photos of children, and in the background of the pictures were a tall, shadowy figure with tentacles for arms. So the story started taking off because there were multiple people really started jumping on Slenderman. And, oh, I think his history is this, and I think his history is that. And have you ever looked at the photographs of or yes, yes, photographs, I have. drawings or photographs? Okay. Under what context? Because of crimes? Uh, when, I was, just... when I was researching it. Um, not for the show, but where would you rank him on our ferometer if you didn't know anything about him? Some of the pictures you've seen, you know, when you were describing Slender Man, I was like, he exists. It's Richard Ramirez. Right. 
Like literally everything you described about Slenderman, Richard Ramirez. But now right. you're talking to whatever age I am, Marie. But what if, if you were 12 year old Marie? Exactly. So now I was going to get to 12 year old Marie. I do remember sitting in my house watching a trailer for Children of the Damned. There was a 1980s adaptation of it for television. And those white haired kids with the yeah. bobs. With the I eyes. Had, yeah, I had nightmares about that. So at a certain point, probably in high school, I just decided I'm not going to let roller coasters or horror films scare me. So I'm just going to like blitzkrieg myself with a bunch mm -hmm. of stuff. Immersion therapy. Exactly. But as a kid. All that shit scared me. So Slender Man would have definitely scared the crap out of me as a kid. Yeah, it's that's an important distinction because the people who respond to it are kids. The people who react to it, believe in it, act on whatever Slender Man they think of Slender Man. They're all kids and preteens and young teenagers. Um, so some stories that were attributed to Slender Man on all these different sites because it really started blowing up. There's even a video game that came out based on Slender Man. But here's some of the things that they explain in the Washington Post article. In some stories, he has multiple arms, tentacles, no appendages at all. Sometimes he kills the victims himself in these mysterious ways that police reports never seem to specify. He might disembowel them. He might bag their organs. Other times, he somehow compels his victims to kill each other. And here's one of the reasons why this urban legend took off, the vagueness is a large part of what pushed the story off the something awful forums and into the internet mainstream. In one of these faux news stories, and I'm going to orally interpret this because that's what I do. It's like there's a fake like transcript. And here's Ted. I ran inside, got gun. Tracy, baby, was crying. Judy screamed. I ran to them. He was holding on to them. The police said, who had them? He said, skinny fella, tall, skinny fella. And J Judy was screaming, shoot me, shoot me, shoot me. So we shot her. And then Tracy, the couple's six-year-old daughter, is never found. And so these kinds of stories started making their way around. And one of the things that happens with urban legends, just like you and I were in high school or college or whatever, mm -hmm. it would be, well, my best friend's cousin's stepsister knew a guy who this happened to. And, it, and it's always this vague connection, right? My boss's friend, no one can ever actually pin down where it happened. Like those urban legends of... The girl who's killed in her dorm room and somebody writes on the wall, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light? And all those kinds of stories. You never could go, oh yeah, her name was Jessica, whatever, and she was killed in 1979 at the University of wherever. Right. Or rarely able to pin those things down. So the article goes on to say, the further away the myth gets from its origins, the easier it is to sift out truth from fiction. Wait, further the harder. It gets from yeah, she says easier, but it's harder. The Blair Witch Project, for example, used some of these same techniques. What did you think of Blair Witch when you first saw it? I don't know. The the found footage phenomenon, I'm trying to think, because there was a film series that they keep making sequels to that was in the vein of Blair Witch that was like supernatural. Oh, where it's inside a house? Mm-hmm. The first couple ones were creepy, but I think yeah. I've seen several of those. What was that thing called? Insi not Insidious no doesn't matter whatever go on <laughs> yeah the found footage thing doesn't creep me out that much but the principle i suppose i get why people are scared by it i get the principle but did you ever not... see um oh my god what was it such a good movie i loved the movie i can never go on jeopardy because i'll be like you know the one with the thing and the guy i know we're we're oh, there totally. with, the, with the thing and the video camera the, the one where the monster destroys New York and it's all found footage. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. With the really pretty girl and the good-looking guy and then the guy from Silicon Valley who ended up I feel being like, canceled because of sexual I feel like we should just have James sitting off to the side. I know, we can just we go, have, it's this like, one. I, don't, I know you get really upset when I start researching stuff while you're talking, so I'm not going to... I look. don't. I only do when you stop listening to me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Let me just look up found, found footage. New York monster fuck is that movie called let's see uh cloverfield cloverfield fuck i never would have gone back to that yes cloverfield i mean i gotta say if you want to be creepy with found footage the found footage sequences in sinister are creepy 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 like there's one in the second film that just absolutely makes me cringe where the kid takes the whole family and formulates them into a pentagram and then he puts oh. rats in metal buckets and 
puts them on everybody's stomach and then puts like some heating device on the top of the bucket so that the rats will eat through their stomachs. That creeps me out. That's what I'm talking about. When you're saying just a picture of Slender That's Man. gruesome. That's not yeah. just creepy. That's fucking gruesome. Yeah. But, okay, so then you didn't like Hereditary? No, I I thought Hereditary was really creepy. I like it. It's really fucking creepy. When that fucking yeah. thing's on the ceiling, I wanted to cry. Like, yeah. I think we had to stop the movie for 20 minutes. Hereditary is super creepy, but Hereditary is a gruesome movie too, actually. Yeah, but but that to me is not the scary stuff. It's like, I don't psychological. Like stuff. Yeah, yeah, I like all that psychological, well, what do you not see stuff. That's the stuff I like. In my defense. Oh, you don't have to defend it? No, I'm going to defend myself. In my defense. <laughs> it's not just that people were put in a pentagram and this whole thing happened what's creepy is that some unknown force is psychologically affecting children against their parents and their siblings to kill them yeah i've never seen the second one so the second one i have to go back and watch it the first one is better but there's i mean not i'm just going to be straightforward the kill sequences are very creative in the second oh good okay yeah there was this um it's it's defunct now. It was called the Cine Family. It existed here in Hollywood, and it was a really cool thing. You could become a member. It was an old silent movie theater that they converted into a movie theater that only pl- played obscure films that you just can't see. Huh. And uh-huh. but they would do a thing at Halloween called the 100 Most Incredible Kills, <laughs> and it would just be kill scenes from horror films. Yeah, like Faces so, of Death. No, yeah, so. They had a thing called the 100 Most Incredible Fucks. It was for Valentine's Day. Sure, it sounds like. So James, and of course, James and I went to it for Valentine's sure. Day. It was me and James and a whole bunch of nerdy, sweaty guys. And Just was, you. You're the only... There were maybe five girls in the whole lobby. Oh, honey. Okay. And it was really rapey. I bet. Because who made that list? You know, it's not us. <laughs> We didn't make that super rapey. Like, I mean, I, I thought it was just going to be like great sex scenes from films. Of course. You know, sexy things, not rapey things. Exactly. But happy Valentine's. Happy Valentine's. Yeah. I think we were both shell shocked. It kind of ruined Valentine's day. That sounds like I wouldn't want to have sex after that. Does that no, like no, that? no. It was to, afterwards. It was like, Maybe we should have a do-over tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, let's do this again. <laughs> let's start from so the other. That reminds me, I, I meant to say this. So the other day when we were talking about the best sex scenes that we liked in movies, you know, and you didn't name any and I had two, mm-hmm. I just remembered one the other day and I had absolutely 100% forgotten about it. Did you ever see What's Your Number? No. It's got that adorable girl. Uh, Anna Ferris. Oh yeah, Anna Ferris. Yeah. Okay. And Captain America, Chris, okay. one of the Chris's, one of the hot Chris's. Yeah, know? okay, yeah, Chris, okay. Um, yeah. Evans? Chris Evans. We're so bad at Good this. Good job, Chris Evans. Did I get it? Yeah, Chris Evans, he's Captain America. Okay, so I'm giving away if you've not seen it, but yes, there's a scene where they, they just start to make out and then he unbuttons her shirt and it is so hot. And then they end up in the bed and you don't see anything and they don't even do it. But it's like, like hot isn't romantic. It's just so romantic and sexy and- it's a really cute movie. You should watch it. You know, so if y'all uh, want a romantic comedy, it's really cute. Have you watched Bridgerton? No. Okay, sorry. I don't watch period pieces. Man. You know what? I didn't want to watch it. Hold on. <laughs> you know what? I'm about to go off on Bridgerton and I'm not going to. Okay. We're talking about Slender Man. Yes, we are. I think... So did you see the documentary on Slender Man or the horror movie based on Slender Man? I have seen neither. Have you seen Okay. Them? I saw the documentary. I didn't see the horror movie, the fictionalized movie. Do you recommend the documentary? Um, but there's a documentary about it. Okay. And here's why. Because after all this, you might say, well, what's the harm? There's internet. People like scary things. We create this myth. It shouldn't really be dangerous to anybody, right? Right. But it became this thing where people, teenagers and preteens, would become really obsessed with Slender Man. And the, the, whatever the backstory was and who and what he was and what he did to people and the mind control. And it turned into all this stuff. He had to sacrifice people and all this stuff. And so one of the worst stories to come out of this particular internet sensation is in Wisconsin back in 2014, two girls, Anissa Weir and Morgan Geyser, lured their best friend, whose name was Peyton, from a sleepover. And these were, these were three best friends, inseparable 
best, best friends. To talk to their parents, it's like they did all the normal stuff. They painted their nails. They had sleepovers. They giggled. They talked on the phone. All they did was look on their phones all the time. So they lured her from a sleepover to a nearby wooded park where Morgan stabbed Peyton 19 times as Anissa encouraged her, leaving Peyton for dead. And Peyton actually ended up surviving. The other two girls ran away. And Peyton managed to crawl out to the street where a bicyclist found her and got her help. She was in critical condition, but she ended up living. And she finally, five years after, she gave an interview in 2019. She's uh, working on being healthy and moving on with her life. And she said she still sleeps with a pair of scissors right by her bed every night because she's scared of the dark and stuff. And But she's really working on overcoming this. Well, why did these girls do this when they were 12 years old? 12. One of the answers, in part, is they believed Slenderman had teleported and read their minds. And what Slenderman also did was he watched them, I don't know, through their minds, through their windows, in their closets, I don't know. But he threatened to kill their families somehow. The girls were trying to become proxies of Slenderman. Doesn't that sound fun? Mm -hmm. I mean, who doesn't want to be a a proxy of a murderous, whatever the fucking fuck this thing is. So one of the girls told police the character is the leader of Creepypasta. Now, you familiar with Creepypasta? Is this a website? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like a place where people just tell creepy stories. So it's literally just, that's all it exists for. So the weird part for me is, you know, it's from Creepypasta, but Creepypasta is fiction. So if you know that he's the leader of a fiction thing, why do you believe he's real? Okay, moving on. In the hierarchy of the creepypasta world, one must kill, apparently, to prove their dedication. If you're going to kill somebody, why do you have to kill your best friend? Why don't you go kill a stranger? I'm just saying. If I sacrifice to the Slender Man, I'm probably going to go and kill a stranger. Not gonna, or maybe not somebody who's me. done bad things. Right. It's not going to be me. You're far down on my list. Let me put do it You that want way. me to come and, like, encourage you to... <laughs> Wow, great stab, you know. Keep going. That's only 18 stabs. This is great cardio. Keep keep going harder, you know. Cardio? <laughs> I figure stabbing someone 18 times is probably good cardio, especially if they're resisting. How many calories do you burn stabbing someone 19 times? Somebody write in and tell us. Marie, don't Google that. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> my phone's not anywhere in sight, don't worry. Okay, so they... The the girl lived to tell, like, my best friends are the ones who did this, you know? And so the police were like, well, let's go pick them up. So the girls hadn't appeared back at their own homes yet. And so the cops went to their houses to go and get them. And they wouldn't tell their parents why they were there. They just said, we need your daughter. And they wouldn't tell them anything. So the parents knew nothing. But it was very creepy. And so they searched the house because they thought the parents were hiding the girls. Well, they weren't. The girls, like, I don't know where they appeared later, but they caught them. Because you know who's really stupid when they want to run away? 12-year-old girls. I'm just saying. So they didn't get far. Okay, so Morgan was kind of the, not ringleader, but the more violent one. She told police it was necessary to kill Peyton in order to please Slenderman. Then the officer asked Morgan what she did with the knife she used. And she says, I put it back in the bag and I walked. I sort of wiped it off on my jacket. It was weird. I felt no remorse. Hmm. Yeah, 12 years old. So I don't want to jump the gun, but why did Peyton end up becoming their victim? I don't know if they ever said, but at least parts of this story that I've read, they never said why it was. Maybe Peyton wasn't as into it as they were, or, but they didn't say they had a rift with her or anything like that. No, they did say they decided to sacrifice her and they'd been planning it for at least five or six months. And so there've been other nights when they decided to do it, but they didn't. I mean, this was like pre-fucking meditated, you know, like we're not like, oh, I'm mad at her. I'm going to drag her outside and stab her. No, no, no. There was a night they were staying at Peyton's house and they were going to do it and realized they couldn't do it in her home or they'd get caught or I don't know. They just like, let's do it outside. They'll never find us. So, yeah. You know, what's also fucking creepy as fuck. I'm not saying the cops wouldn't have figured it out, but can you imagine finding a 12 year old little girl dead in the forest and then. You would be thinking of monsters on the loose. You wouldn't be looking at her right. friends, right? They, their mistake was that they didn't kill her. Yep. Yeah. She lived and that's the only reason they were caught. I mean, I'm not saying the cops wouldn't have figured it out again. I'm not saying that, but I imagine the runaround that they would have had to do looking for a man. Of course, you're going to look for a man. You're going to look for a guy between 18 and 35, you know, like all the profiles say, and they would have been searching this whole area for the wrong. I mean, who would have looked to 12 year old little girls? 
And um, if you want to, you can Google them, their pictures. I don't have pictures of them here. If you want to look at them, they just look like ordinary kind of um, not like, they just like look like preteens. Like they're just ordinary, not geeky, but just like they look like ordinary girls. Yeah. And so in movies, they portray these kind of girls are usually these like super confident, hot, you know, cheerleadery, mean girls. No, these are just like the most ordinary girls you've ever seen in, in your life. You know so, what, this rem- what this reminds me of? There please. was a really bad movie called uh, Devil All the Time. And I'm assuming based on the movie that the book is also bad. But I, I also have an aversion to movies that have a constant narrator that annoys me. But any anyway, devil all the time. What's that? Um, it's it's based on a novel, and it's about this guy that lived in this small town where a bunch of really horrible things happened. And it it kind of seems meandering and pointless. But there's a scene in the movie where this preacher thinks that God is telling him to kill his wife, and he takes her out into the woods for a picnic. And when she turns away, he stabs her in the neck with an ice pick. And the whole thing is. He thinks God has told him that when he kills his wife, he's going to raise her from the dead and it'll be a miracle and it'll be a sign that will bring people to God. And in the movie, he stabs her in the neck and she dies and she doesn't come back from the dead. And then he's immediately struck with the realization that he's fucked up really bad. And I just wonder in these situations where people get caught up in like, whether it's Dungeons and Dragons or this sort of thing or some role it's usually role-playing stuff that gets people into trouble that when the the magical thing the supernatural thing that's supposed to happen doesn't happen if they have a moment of like oh crap you know what I'm saying like I wonder if these girls had an oh crap moment like oh you mean when they're in the middle we're not of going to demon mansion we're not going to be slender man's henchmen slender man doesn't exist I just killed a person and ruined my life. Or if this main chick, Morgan, was that her name? Yeah. If she's just a sociopathic, violent kid. and We're going to get to that. All right. We're going to get to that. I always wondered when people do things for religion or for a weird belief system and it doesn't turn out the way they think it's going to you know like the apocalypse or like all the people in y2k when the apocalypse didn't happen right like when they're sitting there and there's no apocalypse what's going through their mind right at that moment there was another story and i it might have had something to do with people who do exorcisms you know where they actually know that they're going to kill the person but they believe they'll come back yeah, I mean, there's a couple of those stories that have happened recently too. We're like, I was, I was gonna kill her because she was gonna come back. You know, she would be right. reborn as a whatever. You know, right. yeah. So in in order to try and understand why somebody believed this stuff, because there is that's not the only Slenderman involved attack. There was a, also a teenager who stabbed his mother, didn't kill her, but stabbed his mother in some sort of homage to Slenderman. I don't know why Slenderman turns into. You really should stab people that you love I, or love you. I don't know. And then I have to go, okay, why do we believe this shit? Why is it that somebody, even a teenager, a preteen, would would dive into something so irrational that would take them so far that they would commit this horrific kind of act, right? Well, in the Caitlin Dewey article from the Washington Post, she says the character of the Slender Man has an appeal that goes pretty deep. And then she interviews Shira Chess, an assistant professor of mass media arts at Georgia. And she is a scholar of the Slenderman myth. Now, this professor is unsurprised, quote unquote, that teenagers buy into the Slenderman myth because we are hardwired to believe. We're storytelling animals. And to that end, horror stories take on a specific significance and importance because they function metaphorically. The horror stories that are the best are often metaphors for other issues that affect our lives. The Slenderman, for instance, represents helplessness, anonymous forces, power differentials and an infinitely morphable stand-in for things we can neither understand nor control. Universal fears can drive people to great lengths, even it would appear very scary, cold-blooded lengths. And there's a whole theory. It's kind of like the Borg in Star Trek, this theory of a hive mentality called the swarm effect or the swarm theory. And that is that once things, things take on a bigger 
picture or bigger power when a group of people latch onto it. It's kind of like groupthink, you know, in a way where you latch onto something and then all of a sudden everything just, just grows exponentially when there's a hive mentality. And the internet may very well be to humans what hives are to bees because the collective consciousness created by all who contributed to Slender Man seems to be larger than the individual contributions. And so this is from a Reuters article by Neil Gabler. When we enter or join a mass mind, we lose ourselves. And who can lose themselves easier than a preteen, number one, and who can lose themselves faster than somebody who's diving into the internet? And we talked about the conspiracy people a little bit uh, in general and really specifically about QAnon back right before the Capitol insurrection. And this applies to a lot of that stuff too, right? The stories we tell ourselves, we want to believe. So maybe QAnon is another version of, of this Slender Man who has all this power and does all these things and commands you to do things that you just go, oh, okay. And then you believe it even after. A lot of people still believe in QAnon stuff. Even mm -hmm. though every date has not been met, you know, November 4th didn't work, Jan 6th didn't work, March 4th didn't work. Right. But people still like, no, I have to, I have to keep believing, you know? So anyway, that's part of it. And then there's other myths that are a part of this as well. But what do you think about all this so far? Well, here's a larger sort of metaphor. Cause I was just thinking, I, I may have mentioned this to you before, but I don't have kids so that's part of it because I think when you have kids for whatever reason everything that happened to you as a kid gets erased because <laughs> I just see when people have kids they forget about like all the urges and angst and everything that happened to them I don't know why that is I don't know why people's psychology I have, I have an evolutionary theory that maybe I read somewhere or maybe my sources might ask you want to hear it yeah hit me with it I think if people remembered what their own childhoods were like in vivid fucking detail, they might never have kids of their own. And so in, in order to be able to raise this child in any way that is normal and healthy, that evolution lets you forget. Okay. All right. So I'm not off base in that. No, I, I think mean, it's I true. Friends that are like really cool. And, and then when they relate to their kids, it's like, they've never been a kid. But I remember at one point being super, super frustrated with my mother and definitively saying to myself, I was probably like 12 or 13, when I have kids, I want to remember this feeling or this emotion. And throughout my teen years, it was almost like setting one of those pins uh, on the, the map app, you know, I'm like setting a pin right here. I want to remember this. And so I think there were times that I had such tremendous anger towards my parents with uh, like teen hormones and everything that's going on. It doesn't surprise me when teenagers turn to murder. I think it was irrational. I, well, yeah, but everything a teenager does or thinks is irrational. Right, 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 right. If you liked a guy, it was like, oh my gosh, this is the love of my life. You know, the emotions that I felt were so intense. Oh, yeah. And so what if you'd had access to the internet? How susceptible would you have been to not Slenderman necessarily, but like everything, you know, everything I'd, I'd probably be, you would have like, run away with a child molester because he can yeah, be in a sex, I'd be in like sex slavery. I'd be like the madam of like a sex slavery brothel right now or something. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm saying this in jest, of but, course, but him really like, I have friends with children who I'm like, man, I'm glad I don't have kids, you know, because of this stuff, you know, this internet shit. I can look back at my life and go, oh, I just narrowly avoided a sexual yes. predator many, many times. Yes. Or sexual assault. Totally. Totally. Yes. yes. And the culmination of those experiences have taught me, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, you know, but I think preteens and teenagers are super, super susceptible. I even look at kids in my own life and I see markers for this anger and I just go, wow, I could see this going a bad way, you know? So I yeah. just think, I, I think that there's a lot of stuff rolling around in kids' heads and a lot of it is driven by hormones and everything else. And this is why if I were a parent, I know I would be more of an authoritarian parent. Okay. So let's talk about that because one of the, the girls who was attempted murderer, murderers, Alyssa, not Alyssa, damn it. I told you these names are not sticking. What was her name? Anissa, I think. What was her name? 
I'm naming everyone I knew from Cambridge. Hi, Anissa. Hi, Alyssa. Morgan. Uh, <laughs> like naming people. Like, sorry, I'm not naming you. What the fuck were their names? The only one I remember is Morgan. Morgan. See, I can't. Uh, Anissa. Are you having a Anissa or Anissa? I don't know. But anyway, sorry, Cambridge friends. I'm not just naming you. Okay. So sorry, Anissa, listeners, that we have no short-term memory. <laughs> we don't. I mean. It's the first okay, thing to so, go. And this is mother said she monitored Anissa's online life meticulously. Now, I know she might just say that, but she says, I did all the things you're supposed to do. You know, I looked at her phone. I looked at her internet history. I looked at where she was going, what she was doing. I paid attention. I knew her friends, blah, blah, blah. Right. Which to me is like, that sounds like, what else are you supposed to do? So what is she supposed to do? She, she monitors her stuff. She knows her friends. These are nice girls. She's fucking 12. You know, you don't think that she's going to be out there doing this shit or any kind of shit, much less murder at 12, right? You don't. I, I mean, but the thing that was interesting is the other one, Morgan, her mother, her parents knew about the Slender Man obsession and talked to her about it. They knew all about it. They cautioned her about it. They counseled her about it. They, they knew about it. But An Anissa's parents didn't know that, didn't. They didn't know anything about Slender Man. She'd never even brought it up. So... Which one is more telling? I don't know whether or not your daughter's obsessed with something you never knew about, which if you're listening to this and you have preteen kids, you're probably like, what the fuck is she not telling me, right? Is my daughter planning a murder that I don't know about that I looked yeah. at her phone? Is that not enough? It's terrifying. And all you people who have kids out there, God bless you, because I'm, I'm just terrified of-, of I, This is a real fear. We joke about fears, but I'm just saying like, I don't know how I would, I don't know how I would control or police this. I mean- like, again, going back to my proclivities as a teenager, if pornography and stuff like that had been available, I totally would have been looking for it. Oh, can you imagine? I mean, we've talked about what kids do in terms of sending sex pictures and stuff, but yeah. like, I mean, even at the beginning of the show, you're like, she has more clothes on than she should if this is realistic, you know? Right. But <laughs> I was teasing. like, you, the idea of, I know, but then you have kids who are 12, 13, maybe even younger, God, who knows? who before they even go on a date or kiss somebody they're seeing their boobs or they're sending dick pics yeah. or they're it's just i honestly am like i'm out i i'm tapping out <laughs> like stick a fork in me um okay so let's get back to this i'm not i'm gonna veer away a little bit from our Slenderman story because i want to talk about a little bit about how our minds can be malleable where you think how could somebody believe this and there is something too especially teenagers and kids and how malleable our memories are and our beliefs are that we can replace memories with false memories very, very easily. And it's one of the dangers of this whole idea of we're surrounded by information and messages, but we're starving for actual knowledge and we are drowning in information all the time. And false news and fake news, real fake news. I mean, stuff that is invented out of whole cloth where headlines come in and say pizza parlor has sex slaves, just made up, becomes all jumbled in there. And then we can't figure out how to filter through what's real and what's not. And it is a real danger, particularly for kids because their little worlds are this small. And when you fill it with a bunch of bullshit, they're never gonna know what's real at that age, right? Have you ever heard of the Mandela effect. Remind me of it. That sounds familiar. Well, first, let me ask you, do you remember when Nelson Mandela died? Yes. Okay. Could you give me a year-ish? No. So if I told you it was 2004, does that sound about right? I wouldn't know. What about 98? How about 2013? I'm saying this because those are all times that people would swear on all that is holy that that he is died. when they remember Nelson Mandela dying. Okay. They remember his funeral. They remember his wife speaking at his funeral. They remember the flags and the, and people have said this for all kinds of phenomenon where you remember something so well that is a fact in your brain. And so there are people who coined that term. I'm sorry, I don't have the person's name who coined the term, but this article was written in the conversation.com, which by the way, Marie, is a fabulous website. It's an academically driven website, but it's packaged in a way that is that is really like palatable 
mm-hmm. people who are not academics, but it's also got the rigor of academia. It's a great website. I think so there's anyways, a lot of Mandela effect going on in my marriage. Really? Yeah, because like James will say, I'm positive that you told me this was the day we were going to do this and vice versa. And I'm like, I oh yeah, that. exactly. We remodeled this condo down to the studs. And there's one part, particular part of our kitchen that I can tell you exactly where I was when I came up with a design idea, because we designed the whole thing. Exactly how I came up with it, where I was, how I thought of it, why I thought of it. And Curtis has the same memory for himself. Like he remembers exactly why he came up with it and down to the minute he thought of it and why he thought of it and where he was when he thought of it. And I can tell you, it is my idea. And I know for a, you know what I mean? Like we all have this shit, right? Where we absolutely know for a fact, because if we hear something enough, and if any of my former students are listening, we talked about rhetoric, this is how it happens. When messages soak into us, they become a part of us. And our filter has to know which ones to filter out and which ones to keep. And when you're a little kid, your filter doesn't know which ones to filter out and which ones to keep, especially. But anyone is really susceptible to the Mandela effect. And so there's this article in the conversation by authors named Neil Dagnall and the fabulously named Ken Drinkwater. They said that exposure to inaccuracies influence how we remember things as a group. Falsely remembering something that never, ever happened has been dubbed the Mandela effect after a widespread rumor that Mandela had died in prison in the 90s. And there's these benchmarks of, did he die in 98? Did he die in 2004? He really died, I believe, in 2013. But people cannot really pin that down. So if you're out there and you have never heard of the Mandela effect, I welcome you to ask someone in your life, when did Mandela die? And either they're going to answer what Marie answered, I have no idea, or they're going to give you a very specific time and date of when it happened, and they will be able to swear they will pass a lie detector test that that's when he died. So it's a phenomenon where we share a false memory of past events because some have speculated that the memories are caused by parallel universes, I love this theory, that spill into our own, where others explain the phenomenon as a failure of collective memory, but there's a lot of examples of the Mandela effect. Things like remembering how to spell a word or the name of a cartoon or whether or not it's Flintstones or Flintstones and things like that, that people will swear that they remember from childhood how to spell something or how it is, what was in that, that mm. painting. And they're absolutely wrong. But your brain tells you it's true. So the same idea of the swarm effect and the Mandela effect is if you put that onto a 12-year-old's mind, especially when they're super into the internet, when they're super into creepy stuff anyway, you have a toxic mixture, you know? Yeah. And... You add in the mentality of our good friend Morgan over here, which I'll tell you about if you want to hear it. Yes, I want to hear it. All right. So Morgan and I don't know, Tanil, what the fuck was her name? I just said it. Morgan and Tanil. Is that what you said? (laughs) Anissa? 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 Whatever. Morgan and They were both sentenced to a state mental hospital, one of them for 25 years, one for 40. And they both appealed in the years since. And it's They've not been let out or anything. Um, Morgan, I believe, has appealed again this year. So in the last few weeks, her name's in the news again because she's appealing to get let out. While behind bars, both girls receive mental health evaluations. And so Morgan's mother says that during an extensive psychological evaluation, Morgan received an extraordinarily rare diagnosis for a girl her age, early onset, drum roll please, schizophrenia. Mm, okay. So... Morgan's mother said she wasn't surprised because, ding, 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 Morgan's father also has schizophrenia. And he was hospitalized as a teenager to treat his own schizophrenia. Okay, so now it all comes out. Yep. So we blame it on this Slenderman guy? No, this is just one of those situations where you have someone with a powerful mental illness who has power over another person who convinces this other person to do bad shit. Okay, so it turns out that Morgan has been telling her mother that she's been experiencing visual hallucinations since she was three one of which was a tall, slender, shadowy figure. And that's probably what ultimately solidified her belief in this Slender Man character. This story is so interesting. So one of the things that Morgan's mother said is that when her daughter was growing up, she noticed for the first time something was amiss when she and her husband let Morgan watch Bambi. We were concerned to show Morgan the movie because she was sensitive and empathetic, at least towards other people. So we were afraid that when Bambi's mother died, she would be devastated. In fact, she had quite the opposite reaction. After Bambi's mother was shot, Morgan just started saying, run, Bambi, run, and had no reaction whatsoever to the mother dying. 
just wanted the deer to say to himself. Now, I find that fascinating. Mm-hmm. That I've only read this in uh, the one spot. This was on the abcgo.com because they did, uh, I believe it was a 2020 on this case and talked to the parents of all these girls. And I believe this was 2019 when they talked to the survivor, Peyton, as well. But this diagnosis of a 12-year-old of schizophrenia in particular, yeah, that's really early. It usually doesn't show up to the late teens to mid-20s. But again, how many 12-year-olds get a psychological evaluation? Testing for things like that, it just doesn't usually happen that way. So you can attribute it to all kinds of things, but you can't ignore this, right? Right. So you add all of these factors together, and then you have a really toxic, fucking dangerous cocktail of internet craziness, urban myths, susceptibility, preteen minds, you know, all of this stuff. And then look where you end up, you know, you know, it's never I, just one thing is what I'm saying. That's exactly. Saying. Exactly. I often think about this. It's like, how is it that one person turns out? Okay. And, and sometimes this is in a family, right? You have five kids that all turn out. Okay. And the sixth one is a serial killer or whatnot. Yeah. And people do always want to blame the parenting. And, but the point is certain kid profiles don't match with certain parenting profiles and you can have a toxic combination. So this is another complication for parents, right? Sometimes you do have to treat your kids differently. You know, when I say I'd be authoritarian, I mean, it would be authoritarian light, but- I know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> authoritarian light. Yeah. <laughs> That's the name of this episode. But I, I think there's this- sort of chasm in between how we were raised and how kids are being raised now now it's like buddy parenting the kids are just sort of left to their own devices and i'm making a generalization obviously but well, i you have it. you have well, snowplow parents who push ahead and make sure their kids never experience strife and our parents sure as motherfucking fuck did not do that if the teacher said your kid's being an asshole your parents are like stopping an asshole exactly. they didn't go after the teacher <laughs> yeah yeah exactly I, I think that different people respond to different things so if I were to say my parents made a mistake with me I would say that they believed in negative reinforcement which has never worked with me so like even in my own professional life if you tell me I'm not cutting it or whatever it doesn't make me work harder I could be completely being taken advantage of. And if somebody says you're badass, I'll ignore that I'm being taken advantage of. So I respond. Good to know. I'm going to file that away. <laughs> <laughs> right. Different people respond to different things. You know, there's a, it makes me cringe to say it, but a coworker of mine had mentioned this book to me. It was something about like, what is your love language? Uh-huh. But I don't know. Some of the, the title of it made me want to puke a little in my mouth. But there's some validity to it. Yeah. The fact that some people buy things for you as their love language, or they say nice things as their love language. and Or they do favors for you. And mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think parent, I mean, as a non-parent, obviously I'm putting that caveat, but I do think that raising kids is the same way. You've got to figure out what makes them tick. And more and more articles are coming out that certain personality traits are genetic. That's the thing. I mean, we were born with certain personality traits, but nobody knows where, nobody knows yeah. how, it just happens. Yeah. And we can speculate all day long. The fact is you are half of who you are when you're born, practically. Like it just is, it yeah. just is. Yeah. One of the reasons why child psychologists will say like a kid by the age of, I don't even know, two or two or four or whatever, if they're 90% of who they're going to be by the time they're that age. Well, it's not just because their parents did certain things between age zero and four or their mom ate certain foods when they were pregnant. It was that they're born with half of who they are. And I do think it's 50-50. I do. That's my theory. Yeah. I mean, I, I think nurture makes a difference because in all these stories yeah. of, of serial killers, there's molestation and uh, Head physical, injuries. physical <laughs> violence and all sorts of stuff. There are things that influence people throughout their life and especially in their formative years there was this hbo documentary about people who have interesting fetishes and one of them was people who can't be sexually aroused unless they're in latex suits oh i didn't know you'd seen my documentary (laughs) (laughs) the documentary about your life (laughs) why didn't you tell you're telling me sorry 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 anyway one of the guys that led this group was explaining his latex fetish And he was explaining how when he was a kid, he was playing uh, hide and seek and he got trapped 
underneath some sort of plastic or rubber and somehow in that experience became sexually aroused and then for the rest of his life that material had to be involved <laughs> are you still with me or <laughs> I don't think I am. But I don't think I'm still with you. I don't think sorry, I... sorry. Is it do we need to watch bread face as a palette? <laughs> I'm making a larger point, which is you can't always control what your kids do and see, but you have a little bit of control. Yeah. 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 But I'm gonna go back to I don't know how to be a parent in the today's world. I I don't know that no. I would have known in the 70s or 80s or the 1800s, but especially in today's world with this shit. I mean, if I trust and this is mother that she did everything that she thought she was supposed to do. And her daughter tried to murder her best friend still, you know? I mean, like if you were to have said to her, what's the worst that could happen? Murdering someone? That is, I don't think your brain would ever go there, would it? It's crazy. Like I try to think back, like I think I have been in a few situations in my life where people were suggesting inappropriate things and I just instinctively knew to get away. But, so I don't know. I don't know what makes the difference. Well, okay. I'm going to go back to what if we didn't refer to this as the Slenderman stabbings? What if this is schizophrenic girl <laughs> influences the more susceptible best friend to do something horrible? And that even if Slenderman had not even existed in this world, if nobody had ever invented it in 2008, there would have been another way that she would have expressed this rage or this violence and that she would have murdered somebody else or attempted to. That it can't just be that Slender Man meets 12-year-old girl equals murder. You know, I think that if you trust the schizophrenia diagnosis, that has to be the number one thing, doesn't it? Yeah, maybe the takeaway is just a mental health takeaway. Thank you. I think so too. I think so too. Then maybe when your kid is five and they watch Bambi and they don't react to the mom dying, we maybe need to take a harder look at that too. Maybe I mean, it's hard to know what to take seriously and what not to take seriously as a parent. Yeah, exactly. Like what's normal and what's not normal. I mean, exactly. So now that we have given all of you parents terrible parenting <laughs> advice, we don't know yeah, what don't listen to us. About. Don't listen to us. We don't know shit about parenting. I don't even know how to control my psychopathic cat. So. Right. Your cat, Walter's going to murder you someday. And then Probably. everyone's going to be like, well, I guess you should have had Walter examined by a psychiatrist. Probably. Yes. Yeah, some judgmental <laughs> bitch will be like, <laughs> you should have you, seen you have that psychologist out there in California. Why don't you get somebody to take a look Got at Walter? Jenny Jackson Galaxy to come over and tell me. <laughs> you need his guitar case to come in and solve it all. Right. Yeah. Um, but. All right. Anything else we wanted to say about this? Because I mean, we started with moths, moths, Walter. Harper was in there for a while that... and she squeaked and left. I don't know where she is now. I, I have this one like kid fantasy. Basically, I think James and I actually have the same kid fantasy, which is we have a daughter. She looks just like me and she has a little bob. She dresses just like me and we like paint together and say intellectual things and She's like, oh, mommy. Oh, she's British in this yeah. fantasy. Your daughter's she's British. Like, oh, mommy, <laughs> you are so funny when you say that. <laughs> That's one of the like, things Curtis and I talked about when we were trying to have kids. It was like, you know what? If this doesn't work out, we have to remember. We think the kid's going to be Rory fucking Gilmore. But you could end up with like fucking Eileen Warnos or something. Too. Right, you, know, right. you know, like you don't know. In in reality, it's like I have, but not a, a I've, I've, so many of my friends, all of my friends have daughters. None of them have sons. Like there's no sons in our friends' yeah. lives. It's really interesting. And even if their moms are not like super all feminine and glittery and pink and everything, you know, sparkly, then I influence them enough where they're like, would you stop making my girl a girly girl? like no I will not that would be my nightmare actually if I had a really girly girl daughter I would not fun girly girls are fun I wouldn't know what to do with her you could send her to me I'll take care of it all right well we're past my goddaughter walks up to me she's like let's put makeup on she's like four she and I was like this is the happiest I've ever been in my life we're past that if I have a child it will be a miracle (laughs) yeah me too um literally (laughs) right so you'll so, start believing in aliens and slender men if you begin yeah i'm gonna be like an internet meme myself um all right yeah. those are our hot takes on mental illness slender man internet memes moths murderous cats yes here's what i would like for y'all to do 
if you would be so kind. We we promised slash threatened Marie would do weird things with her nose with bread if y'all wrote us reviews. I haven't even looked. Did we get reviews this week? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. People don't want to review um, us. Please write reviews. Give us five stars if you do so. We will actually read your review on the show. Yeah. Write us at the email is um, fearless at nowfear.com and tell us what you fear or tell us what you want us to fear. Give us a new fear because we're always looking for things to be scared of. Yeah. And if you agree or disagree with things on our show, go to our website. Tell us there. There's a comment section for every episode. You can disagree with us. We're okay with that. I love it. I want to hear like all that. of it. Yeah. If you disagree with us, I will read it on the show and I will tell you why you're wrong. Won't you look forward yeah. to it? Or maybe I'll read it and I'll be like, well, I never thought of that. You know, we're asking. I would be delighted if you said something that actually changed my mind about. I would love yeah. it. That would yeah. make me so happy. So other than that, if you go to hearthispodcast.com uh, and subscribe there, I'm pretty sure it's going to change your life. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Not, not, maybe not right at the beginning, but oh. over time. Maybe not now, maybe not tomorrow, but someday and for the rest of your life. Yeah, it happens differently for different people. You know, it just depends on your love okay. language. <laughs> if your love language is acts of service, then you probably shouldn't be listening to the show anyway. <laughs> <laughs>